so glad you've joined us on the ERLC podcast to explore how the Bible addresses important cultural issues pertaining to life, religious liberty, marriage and family, and human dignity, and how we can walk in wisdom for God's glory and for the flourishing of our neighbors. If you're enjoying this podcast and find it helpful, please leave a review wherever you listen. This will help more people find and benefit from what we're learning together. We are grateful for the time you take to join us for these conversations. Um, I do think that as you do that, then additional doors open up. As, as you move forward in the future, more and more doors open up to women uh, when they had a place of uh, responsibility on a committee or on a task force or something, and it's gone well. Hi, I'm Trillia Newbell, and I'm excited to announce our series, Better Together. The series captures our desire to partner together as men and women in the church and beyond to advance the kingdom with mutual support and care. Better Together will address a wide range of topics from sexual abuse, leadership, women in work, women's ministry, and so much more. Our goal is to inform and equip listeners on matters most important to women in the areas of church, home, and work. I'm excited about today's guest and how her focus has been so much on ministry wives. Her name is Susie Hawkins. She's a ministry wife herself and has been involved in various aspects of ministry for 40 years. So that is in itself awesome. And her main interest is serving women, specifically ministry wives. Thank you so much for joining us, Susie. Thank you, Trillia. I've really looked forward to this. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. We are going to be talking about leadership today. That's our focus. And I, I'm not sure if where all the places that you have served, being in ministry for 40 years and serving, I am assuming— That sounds so long. <laughs> it's awesome, which is— it's, Like Moses. No. <laughs> that is hilarious. Well, it it is—what's good about this is that so often we hear from— people who have maybe spent five years or maybe 10 years. In a lot of ways, I think often when we see something, we can, we being this newer generation of ministry leaders, we can see, right. we can think crisis <laughs> and, right, exactly. and everything's going to blow up. But God is faithful and he's building his church. And so thank you for um, enduring all the ups and downs that are ministry, because I imagine that um, there's nothing new under the sun. And, I think and, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So since you have seen probably more than some of us who have um, only been in ministry for even 20 years, what would that look like um, in places and positions where you maybe are the only woman or the first woman, because yeah. now we see more and more women speaking into this. But I imagine 40 years ago, it wouldn't have been as much, or maybe I'm wrong. So let me know, let, let us know, what do you think? Well, I do think in the last 20 years, there's been more of an awareness on a national level anyway, 
like, for example, in our Southern Baptist Convention or in other evangelical organizations, there's been more of an awareness that women needed to be included in uh, committees or task forces or teams, um, especially if it is some kind of an outreach or, or also some kind of doctrinal statement because uh, women, it, I think these things need women's input. I think there's a general recognition that women need to have a voice in major decisions and making policies and all of that. As far as being one of the few women involved in these things for year or for years ago, you know, it is intimidating. Hmm. And to be the only woman or only two women in a in a room with twenty five theologians, hmm. so that is you know a little bit intimidating. But I think what what women need to remember is that it's not your education and it's not your uh, all your talents and abilities, but it's your awareness of the issue and wanting to bring your voice into the conversation. So there are some things I've learned along the way that I think I hope are helpful and just navigating all that and thinking through what you're going to do, praying, being prepared, asking good questions, listening. You know, these are all things that need to happen if you're going to really make a worthwhile contribution as a woman. It's interesting. So, so often women have a desire to minister and to be in these spaces, but they might be, you use the word, it was intimidating. So they might be in, just intimidated and and their, their response is to shrink back in those environments right. rather than to push forward. How can you encourage women to use their voice? Well, um, I think, first of all, you need to be prepared for whatever task you've been called to, um, to know what the purpose of this committee or whatever it is you're on, your team, to know your purpose. You might have to do a little more work in preparation. You know, Julia, in my circles, and I'm talking Southern Baptist Convention here, okay? Sure. So in my circles, when you go into a committee or a task force or a study thing, Usually you're with men that have, this is, they know this stuff like the back of their hand, right? They know theology, they're professors, they're presidents of seminaries, they're pastors, they're, they're very knowledgeable of Southern Baptist policies, mission policies, all of this. They've done this for years. For most women come in more or less as a volunteer or a layperson, rather. Sure. That's a better term, as a layperson. So you're automatically going to feel like you're, playing catch up. But the thing to remember, I think, is that you do need to make, literally have your voice heard in the meeting at some point. You don't want to, you can't go mute, right? Right. You're there for a reason. You're there for a reason, right. And I've also remembered, even in in my first experience with that, which was on the Baptist Faith and Message Committee back in 1999, I remember thinking, you know, you do this, if you're invited and asked to be on a, in a position like this, then you it's not only your responsibility to know what you're doing, but you're also doing it for the future, for the women who come behind you. You're making a place. you got your foot in the door, so to speak, right? So um, you want to know what's happening. You want to understand. And I have found in every one of my situations 
that if you just use the, the sentence, help me understand what you're saying or help me fully understand this. I've never had an experience where the men or the other people on the committee were not more than willing to explain or to give a little more direction on what they're looking for. And don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions. You have mentioned do your work in preparation. And I kept thinking, also, you may be the smartest person in the room. <laughs> so I think sometimes, and I don't and I don't mean that in an arrogant way, but I think sometimes women can be intimidated even by by that. You you that they know they have certain skills or gifting and training and they don't want to look like excuse the term usurpers, so they won't say anything. Oh. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah yes. Yeah. And so I I think acknowledging that you are there, you have gifts God has given you. But also something that you said that I think is incredibly important to remember is it's just not about us. It's not just it's not about you. That as when you step into a room, you're helping open up a path for other women. And so I I want to press into that a little bit. Cuz Susie, one of the things that I have so appreciated about you is that you look for ways to elevate other women or to give them an opportunity to speak or t- so in 40 years of ministry, what does it look like to remember that it's not about you? Well, I I do think that's important, Trillia, especially if you look at the church as a whole, that the Lord may put you in a position to do something that really hasn't been done before, but you've got to keep that mindset that you're just, you know, please, Lord, that we're moving forward all the time, right? We want to be moving forward. So this is not an isolated uh, appointment to this committee. This is not an isolated situation. It's moving forward, building the kingdom. And I I do think you're right. I do think you have to know that there are women behind you that are more than prepared, probably much better than I was, to speak into these situations. And you are part of opening the door to them. I just think you need to have a, a larger view of the kingdom and of the work that we all, that we're in it together. You know, it's all hands on deck. It's everybody working to push forward in their own way. And um, I do think that as you do that, then door, additional doors open up as, as, as you move forward. In the future, more and more doors open up to women when they had a place of uh, responsibility on a committee or on a task force or something, and it's gone well. Mm. Now, does this look any different for ministry wives as it does for the average woman, laywoman in the church? I, I just wondered how you would apply this to ministry wives, which are the group that you have the greatest heart for. Right. Well, I think ministry wives have—a lot of ministry wives, Julia, don't do not think of themselves as leaders, quote-unquote— but they are. By virtue of your um, position, if you want to call it that, as the pastor or staff wife, you automatically um, you automatically have a position of influence. And so when you when you have that position, any minute, if just speaking of the local church, 
any ministry that you choose to be involved in is automatically going to have a little bit of a spotlight put on it. And that's right. all good. That is awesome. I mean, if you choose, if your men, women's ministry isn't real strong and you choose to be active in it, maybe to teach, or maybe you work in children, or maybe you work discipling teenage girls, it's automatically going to be put a spotlight on that ministry. So that's just kind of built into the position. And I always, I think that's a huge advantage, you know, that people are going to say, well, tell me about that. What are you doing? What is it? How? And then it bring it usually brings people, brings some interest into that ministry. And it, it really is, it's all good. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it really works for good in the local church. And so it's not so much that you hold a position, whether it's a volunteer position or a paid position, as it is what you choose to focus on. And that will, people will automatically pay attention to that. Now, if you take a, a leadership position, like a volunteer or something, it's, it's, that's even more so. It's even more so. So it's kind of built into that whole model, the whole model that we have and, uh, in our churches. Well, how can women lead when there doesn't seem to be areas to lead in? And it sounds like you were kind of really addressing that, that any kind of service can be leading. Well, and I would say the focus there is don't, don't look first how to lead, but where can you serve? So go first, where can I serve? Or in one church I was in, um, the women's ministry, for example, which is automatically, I look at that because that's what I was interested in, was struggling. It, it was just struggling. It needed, it hadn't had any good, it had it struggled in leadership and a lot, for a lot of different reasons. And the church wasn't opposed to it, but it had just struggled. So coming in and just teaching, serving, and when you're on the inside like that, then you see areas of weakness where maybe you can help. Um, areas of improvement, and you can say, "Let me let me see if I can work on this and help us do this or that." But you start with serving, so you go into it serving, and then when you're on the inside, so to speak, of the ministry, then you can get a better picture of what needs to be done. And then usually, I think leadership just kind of automatically falls into place, Julia. No, when you're yeah. committed to a certain area of ministry, and and here's the thing: uh, this, I've always operated by this that God will open the doors of opportunity to lead. If you are, if you truly want that and you're truly looking to serve him, oh, there's plenty of opportunities and God will open them up to you. And so you have to be watching for them and then know how to handle them with skill and with integrity Mm -hmm. and uh, with spiritual maturity. This series is called Better Together. And so I wonder how can men support women well in this area? And I'm thinking specifically for ministry leaders and ministry wives. How how can men help women lead? Because we're talking about leadership, so we're going to stay focused there. Well, I think it seems to me that, our, that the evangelical culture is kind of taking a second look at, at women in ministry positions. Given, of course, understanding the biblical, I say this all within understanding and going along with the biblical roles, right? Okay, so we got that. So within yes, the biblical yes. parameters. Okay, but I do 
think it is a very wise pastor and staff that are willing to take a look, a second look at their church structure, their church staff, and see where are there places that women could effectively serve that do not violate any of those, you know, principles. And uh, where could they serve? Where could they be used? Where, where has a woman in ministry that has served, say, for you know, 10 years on a church staff in her area and serve faithfully and serve well, is there a place of promotion for her that would work, that that does not violate any of that? Uh, be a little more open-minded. And I do think, uh, I hate to say this, this is a huge generality, but I do think it's true that the younger generation of men are more open to this than the older, more traditionally minded. No, I'm glad you so, said that. No, it's, it's, it's helpful. I mean, it's true. It's true. Yeah. It's yeah. true. But I also know some pastors and men that are older in that age group that will listen to the younger guys and will uh, maybe something that didn't feel comfortable for them for a while with the encouragement of younger thinkers or younger staff members will say, let's, yeah, she's proven her faith. Let's, let's give her promotion. Let's see if she has a greater, if she could do more and like it. You know, Chilia, I have, I played around with this passage of scripture for a while. I keep doing it. Matthew 25, the parable of the talents. And I've, I've looked at it as a parable of opportunities. There's so many layers of how you can interpret that parable. But if you take it as opportunities, one talent, two talent, and five talent, some people in this world and in God's kingdom and his economy are given opportunities of five talents. You know, they have national platforms hugely influential. God has just blessed them with a position of influence. But for the rest of us, we're usually around the one or two talents, right? The opportunities in the local church or in your community or in your denomination. And so once, but but think of that parable, once you take the talent and you invest in it and you work hard in it, God blesses you by giving you more. So, but a lot of that women can't do that unless men in leadership give them that opportunity. So I personally am encouraged because I see a lot more um, movement and all that in our circles and um, openness to women in leadership, whether it's in our denomination or in the local church. And I do think that's the national trend is women being more visible and more, much more apart. And so, you know, our national, the church reflects the national trends. I was just watching this morning on the news about all of the women that have come to Congress this year. Yeah, yeah. You know, all these, the diversity of women and how many women are in Congress. Well, it's, it's, things are going that way, you know, in our national culture. And so naturally, the church has to address these things. And a lot of our culture is bad and troublesome, but this is a good thing, I think. I want to press into that as a good thing. Help um, the listener who maybe is resistant to this change that they're seeing, help them see how it can be a good thing for the body, for kingdom advancement. And I, I will say this, I think that a lot of People operate in not just the unknown, but with fear. So the reason they wouldn't elevate a woman or is is some kind of fear, hesitation. How can you cast a vision for it as a good thing? Oh, you know, 
this whole image of a woman who wants to lead being a usurper, as yeah. you said, or a seductress or something. Can I just go on the record of saying, I've been doing this a long time. I've yet to meet one woman who wants to steal the pulpit from the pastor. Okay. Yes. I have never <laughs> heard. I mean, what, what, no, they would want to do that. I mean, I'm sure there are some, but I haven't seen it. The women I've known over these years simply want to serve and they know they can do it and they want to do That's it well. So and they good. want to serve Jesus. They yeah. want to serve the kingdom. So um, now I forgot your question. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that was so good. I, I, I think we just need to put that on repeat, that women, they just want to serve. They just want to yeah. serve God. So what the well, question and, is, and, is how's, yeah. how, can, how can we cast a vision for it to be a good thing and to push against this fear of the usurper? Or, well, well, okay, so this goes back to my statement a minute ago of taking— promoting or assigning women, asking them if they would take a leadership position, women that have already proven their spiritual maturity and their ability, you know, that have been in your church staff or have been in a volunteer position or had been faithful. Um, look, every time you ask someone in leadership, men or women, you take a chance, right? Not, I mean, that works with men too. Even sometimes people don't pan out like you think they were going to. So there's always a risk of that. But I would I would like to say to pastors or male staff members, you know, you gotta remember, and this has been said a million times, so I'll just go in and say it too, that over half the church is women. And a large number of those women are single women. And part of the church is if if you're going to fulfill the Great Commission and you're going to teach what Jesus has commanded you got to teach it to everybody. Absolutely. And you've yeah. got to utilize everybody. And so I think a pastor who will spend some time with the student minister staff, for example, or the student minister and say, tell me what, tell me what kids are going through today. You know, what are the girls, the guys, what, what's happening in that world? Or, or with single women, to not always use illustrations about married men and women, to just try to, And you know what? When you're my age— and you've been doing this a long time, you have to work at that, Trillia. I, yeah. You know, it just doesn't come naturally. You have to work at it. And to intentionally include everybody, men and women, girls, boys, um, and all the issues they all face, I think is just a huge part of equipping the entire body of Christ mm. intentionally and, and going after them, you know, go after them and teach them and recruit them, so to speak, you know, mm -hmm. for the gospel and uh, strengthen them for, we all have the same task in front of us and give them some tools to do that. No, that's so good. And where have you seen men doing this well? I have seen men doing this well on, I think, in the local church. You will find, here again, I'm going to go back to the younger generation in general, in general, generalizing is a little more open to this. And to think of putting a woman in a leadership position may not be an afterthought, but may be uh, something that they automatically think of first. So um, I think I think in the local church, certainly this, uh, you can see this. And then I too, truly, in our denomination, Southern Baptist Convention, I think we see more and more uh, men who are willing to 
listen to women who are willing to um, include them in uh, positions of uh, leadership and on committees and study groups and all of that. I do. I think slowly but surely that's becoming the idea of, of always including women is becoming more common in the general mindset of men in leadership. No, I think you're exactly right. And that's encouraging because, it is. you it's know, it is a good yeah, thing. It's, it is a, it's a good thing. It's, it, and so often we are focused on how we need to improve, which is a good thing that we need to also focus on where we can change, how we can grow. But it is good to acknowledge and think of where we've, where we are going and where the grace that we see today, right now, right now, the, right. the good things exactly. that we see. So let's actually end there. Give us some gospel hope that hope for this area, hope for this unity, this beautiful picture of the body working together. Well, as you just said, I think this is very positive and I praise God for it. And I'm thankful for the women in the past that have broken through some of these barriers and have pushed, have pushed a little bit, you know, to, to bring about this understanding of how important women are to the kingdom. I, I'm so thankful for women leaders and Bible study teachers in the past that have been strong women of faith and have not shrunk back from uh, God's call on their life. But uh, overall, I think we have to remember that we're going somewhere. The church is going somewhere. Christ will build his church, right? I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus is building his church. And so I think as we're, if you want to picture us in a, like a current, right? It's the current, everything's changing around us. The world is confusing now, but we know Christ will build his church. And so as we stay listening to him, looking for appropriate opportunities to serve, making sure that the voice we bring to the table, metaphorically speaking, is mature and solid and biblically sound and strong biblical doctrine, um, then I think we just move forward. And as I said a minute ago, it's, it's time for all hands on deck. It, we need the teenage girls. We need the teenage boys. Mm. We need the widows. Yes. I do a prayer ministry with widows. Oh, we need their prayers desperately. We need everybody, not just the seminary students or the theologically trained, but we need the church in general to be the church and to move forward toward the hope we, that we have in Christ, building his church, and the hope that someday we will stand before him and enjoy the glories of heaven together. Hmm, on that note, amen. <laughs> I, <laughs> yes, amen. I look forward to that day. We, sh- we all look forward yes. to that day. It's beautiful to reflect on it, to think about it, and it's glorious that we will get to experience it. So, Susie, yes, it's amazing. Thank you so much for being on today's podcast. I I just am so grateful for your voice and for your ministry and for you taking time out for us today. Thank you, Trulia. I love what you do. I love what you're doing. I Bless you in the name of the Lord. Go forward. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for including me. I'm honored. Oh, awesome. Well, you have been listening to the ERLC podcast. I'm Trillia Newbell, and we look forward to connecting with you next time.